Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Tim, you're late. <laughs> very late. Very, very tardy. And after after spending all summer gloating about how much we graft, <laughs> graft in the summer, and there I was, couldn't get off the sunburn. It's weird, so, you know. I'm as, here now, but... As soon as Brian Moore disappears, it's like you've taken your eye off the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I, should be, I should be on it more than ever. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually sat... So right now, I'm sat in the building that uh, Brian Moore's full contact used to take place in. So. Is that right? Yeah, Ooh. I should be on the ball with it, shouldn't I? I wonder if there's going to be some conspiracy theories floating around about yeah. what, what Talks Talksport will do about their rugby show. Mm. Well, well, you never know. You never know. Who knows? Do you? Have you got some insider info, Tim? <laughs> no, no. Believe me, I'm trying my best. I'm knocking on the door <laughs> that I need to knock on, but no. <laughs> it's Tim again. Throw him a sandwich. <laughs> 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 All right, boys, let's get into this, shall we? Yes. Hands in, pod on three. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Go on. Han- hands in, pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby didn't take itself or the game too seriously. Today, I am joined with the master of Virgin Radio... The builder of XFM, part-time rugby player, full-time rugby expert, Tim. How are you, Tim? Oh, I'm wonderful now. Slightly pinker than I was this time last week. And, of course, Phil. Hi, Phil. Hello, JB. Right, where shall where shall we start, boys? Uh, some iTunes reviews. Good idea. Oh, what a great idea. Go on, then. Chips Wilts uh, on iTunes gave a five-star review and said, when you're unable to ramble on about rugby down the pub, this is the next best thing, which I thought was quite a, quite a charming little review. Rugby Silver said, uh, five stars, but not enough on Argentinian polo. Although, believe <laughs> me, I, think, I think we'll be talking about some Argentinian playboys before long. Um, Jules in Bondi as well Ooh. says, when I emigrated to Sydney a couple of years ago, Egg Chasers became a lifeline back to my beloved Aviva Premiership and all the rugby banter I grew up with. During Skype catch-ups with the family, I kept re- uh, recommending my dad check it out. He's now as big a fan as I am. When my parents came to Australia recently to visit, my dad handed me a gift box and inside was my very own engraved cornerstone shaft. Oh, awesome. isn't that nice? Awesome. Shout, out to, shout out to his dad, Howie. Uh, shout out to Jules in Bondi, and uh, yeah, I, I'd highly recommend getting hold of one of those magnificent precision-engineered, uh, uh, engraved shafts where, where, and cornerstone razors too. Where would you get one from? Well, if I were you, well, personally, I, I'd think that for, for the price of a pint, um, you could just four quid. You could, on your first order because you get a ten pound discount with us. You what? could get not not only. Everything you need to have the best shave you have, just check out the reviews by GQ magazine, put them above Wilkinson, Sword and Gillette, but also get yourselves your very own engraved shaft with your initials. Uh, and that that's just at cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers. That's or, unbelievable. I guess you could put egg ten at checkout as well, could you? <laughs> you could do could that, you know? too. <laughs> would, would that work? It would. And do you know what? That egg ten at checkout uh, is definitely, we've done it enough times that it's definitely catching on because whilst I was in Montenegro and Croatia, I've got to mention Tony, uh, an Irishman, who I just got chatting to. So there weren't many familiar voices in Montenegro, uh, English voices, um, English speaking voices. And he was one of them. So I just started chatting to him and turned out he was a blooming listener to the podcast. Really? And uh, yeah, 
and uh, <laughs> big, nice. big listener mentioned Egg Ten at checkout, mentioned all the catchphrases, uh, but he did say, as a Leinster fan, you've, we've got to go easy this season on the Pro Twelve. Whoops. I think that was mainly aimed at you, Jay. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Don't uh, don't listen to yesterday's pod. Yeah, do <laughs> the, not listen. The to last yesterday. ten minutes of yesterday's pod. No, I think that's. Compl- I, I heard. That's complimentary <laughs> about some of the Pro Twelve. I, by the way, uh, in case you didn't guess, I didn't get the Pro Twelve job. So, uh, you know, safety's off now. <laughs> I was going easy. The safeties are off. Uh, so, oh, oh, actually, just so you know, I was also recognised on Saturday. Were you? I was, in the same manner that Tim met a fan in Montenegro. Uh, I was confronted by a guy who says, Are you JB? I was like, uh, Yes. Uh, l- but luckily he was friendly. Oh, Tim's gone. Uh. Hang on. Sorry, JB. Hello, Tim. Come in, Tim. Um, yes, here are you, JB. Here yeah. you, Phil. Uh, uh, we've had a sighting. I was sighted myself in Liverpool in the Talk H game. Were you? <laughs> yeah, which uh, that was very nice, actually. Wow. Mm. By one of the opposition? By one of the opposition, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so when he came up to me right at the end, it was, you know, he's a scouser as well, so you've got to be careful with these, you know, with these types. But no, he's, uh, he's, he, he was one of the civilised, friendly ones. <laughs> uh, was this, because I, I missed uh, the start of that anecdote before uh, it decided to cut me off. So did, was that related to uh, Owen Freaks? Who? In any way. Who? Owen, Owen Freaks. Owen Franks. No, no, no. We will get into him later. In fact, uh, shall we start off with that game? It's a good yeah. place, as good a place as any. Yeah. Did you watch well, it, Tim? Could, could you get any rugby coverage over there? Uh, I had to make do with some extended highlights um, afterwards, so no. I, I followed it online as best I could, but um, no, didn't well, get to watch the whole game where I was. Right, well, me and Phil watched it together, actually. We did. Uh, we met up early doors, a bit too early, because the idiots who advertise these things decided to put it as... British, no, sorry, Greenwich Mean Time, yeah. but actually it's British Summer Time, isn't it? So we were up an hour early. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. We, we were there at 7.30, ready and waiting. Yeah, exactly. We had to watch, like, Oz Aerobics, or do you know, like, the rubbish shows that they have when they've got no content to put on Sky Sports? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, thoroughly disappointing. Yep. I don't know where Australia go. Uh, I have no answers for them whatsoever. No. Uh I'd like to say, um, try some youth. But where? Who? Well, I, I don't know who because I don't know enough about the Australian kind of uh, super rugby teams. But clearly bringing back, uh, obviously Gitto got injured, but AAC, for example, it's not really the answer. Coo- yeah, Quade Cooper, Quade Cooper coming Gitto, back. AAC. Um, uh, Reese Hodge looked Reece- reasonable. Well, he kicked a tremendous penalty. Yes, he did. Well, hold, hold on before you say it's it's not the answer. It's easy to say that with hindsight, but it is. Would it? I, 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 this happens with football a lot, where people go, "Oh, bring in the youth, get the youth in, get all the kids in." But actually, no, just pick the best players you've got available, mm. and and yeah, but the, 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 and but and then you know bring the new guys in bit by bit and. I don't know what's happened in a year since the World Cup final, but it's, well, the, the wheels have come off. I'll tell you what, the defence is horrific. I mean, me and Phil must have rewound one particular defensive play. I think it was for the first try, and it was just a car crash. It was worse than a car crash. They've got Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore, I'm sorry, he has to retire. I mean, maybe one last hurrah in, in the World Cup, that would have been fine. But he's just so off the pace. He doesn't look either 100% fit or there's some, something not right there. But refs, all, miles refs the also hate him. You know, he, uh, uh, there's something about his personality which doesn't endear him to either, either his own players because you know, we've all heard about the kind of brumbies Waratahs split. And also refs, just they just don't want to know what, St- what Stephen Moore has to say. <laughs> Because he's not wearing an all-black number seven shirt. That is probably a good point. <laughs> I tell you what, 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 I think what highlights the the difference in Australia as much as anything is looking at Michael Checker. Whereas this time last year he seemed cool, calm, and collected, and like he was the one 
playing the mind games and pulling the strings. Now yeah. oh. he's just how the he, tide he's has a turned. Eh? Headlights now, isn't he? he? He's clutching at straws for excuses for his t- to to not blame his players, which yes. is which is fine. Not blaming the players. Um, but there's times when you've got to just put your hands up and say we weren't good enough, and he, he's scratching around for excuses about uh, the referees and these uh, clandestine oh. meetings between the All Blacks and Roman Poir. Well, how about this then? I was listening to Green and Gold today just before this podcast. Yeah, and on their podcast they said Australia had given away on average 33 points per game since the the Scotland semi final. That's enormous. Oh well, yeah, because they've they've played England three times and New Zealand twice. Uh, yep, yeah, three three times. World Cup final. Oh yes, yeah. Sorry, World Cup final. Yeah, there you are. I, I, I mean, all the in a tailspin. But there, so you mentioned before the defensive play for the first try. We we did we rewound that several times, and there was. Uh, maybe five players at fault in the yes. Australian team, all either in the wrong position or making the wrong decision, or both in some cases. Uh, and it's now part of it is just how quick the how quick and slick the New Zealand ball was, but even so, there was a, a three or four man overlap for that try because of the Australians didn't realign, they took the wrong man, and they were just completely out of position. The spacing was all over the show. Yeah, it's and good. that that is. It's basic. Do you think defences are going to have to evolve? And they're going to have to go away from the idea of shutting people out like there's been, you know, historically good defences would do to a kind of model where it's just damage limitation and actually you need to spend less time coaching defence and more time coaching attack. Because if you want to beat New Zealand, you've got to outscore New Zealand. I would say no. I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear your opinion on that, Tim. Uh, no, I, I, I think... Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think no. Um, I, I don't think it's moving a, the dial of the spectrum wildly one way or the other. I think. Well, let's look at the the, 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 thing, the thing that New Zealand do well is, and I think this all comes from the fact their players are brought up not gym monkeys. They're intelligent rugby players. They mm-hmm. they know how to make the right decisions at the right time with or without the ball. Okay, that's interesting. But let's look at the body of evidence. We've got four out of five New Zealand teams reaching the playoffs of the Super Rugby. You've got the New Zealand national team just devastating others. I mean, Wales are renowned for their defence. They've got probably the Lions defence coach on on their staff, or at least one of the most highly regarded uh, defensive minds that there are in Sean Edwards. And on top of that, you've got a New Zealander in... Pat Lamb, is he New Zealand? He probably isn't. But he plays a, a super rugby style over in Connacht and they've just won the Pro 12 with the least the least talented squad, you might say. But so, I, don't, I don't see how that links to ignoring defence and focusing on attack because yeah. well, one, one very good point, the Hurricanes and New, New Zealand themselves, the Hurricanes in the knockout stage of super rugby didn't concede a try. Mm-hmm. New Zealand in their last two games against Australia haven't conceded a try. I like, so, so the defence is all important. I like your logic, but you've got a slight flaw in it. <laughs> Go on. Well, New Zealand don't play in New Zealand. And Hurricanes, I think, didn't play... Did they play in New Zealand opposition? They beat the Chiefs, yeah. And was there a try conceded there? No, no, no. didn't concede a single no. try. So, I've, yeah, I've, got, you might a, um, I've got I've got a sort of um, something from football that I, I can relate to this. because 40? I was, yeah, sorry. I, w- I was reading a book while I was away um, about the the Danish football team of the eighties, mm-hmm. which I I have like my earliest memories of football are of are of that that kit, the Hummel kit, and that team. And now is this yeah. the, is this the team that were entered into the Euros without actually earning it and won well, the thing? Well, no. no. So the team of the eighties had all these incredible players, like this golden crop of players that played such incredible attacking football, and um, one of the most memorable teams of, of any world cup and they hammered uruguay 6-1 in the 86 world cup and anyway they, they went on to become a bit of a cult team um put up there right al- alongside some of the best teams ever and they said they should have won it but but they never won anything whereas the the team in 92 were a completely different side had no stars were pragmatic played on the counter-attack and won a tournament and i think that will always kind of be the way that you, you're more likely to get a team that has an incredible defence and can kind of maybe have a kicker 
mm-hmm. uh, who, who will win a World Cup rather than a team that plays incredible attacking rugby. Yeah, so tune in next week for part two of the Danish football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just think in rugby that will always be the case. If yeah, you have to say, what, I, I, what, what, if, if a team other than one of the big guns was going to win a World Cup, it will be a massive pack and a, and a 10 with a dead eye kick, not I want, some incredible backs. Yeah. I want you to be right. I, I do want you to be right because I love watch, watching a solid defence. I'd love to think that maybe a Saracen-style team could do it. But I just, you know, nothing so far has looked like they can even come close to the super rugby that's played in New Zealand or the international rugby that they've played. Nothing's even come close. Yeah. I don't think that's just defence. It's it's everything, isn't it? it it's, it's just... Well, no, I think that this attacking, this massive amounts of width on the field, I think that is what actually what's what's causing so many points to be scored. So if you want to beat them, you're going to have to outscore them. There's going to have to be some new thinking. It, it'll be very interesting, and unfortunately we've got to wait a full year to see it, but when England do play New Zealand, because mm. you'd say on form they're the two best teams in the world at the moment. Yep, agreed. And England with Gustard and Borthwick there... Uh, a lot of the Saracens players, Cruis, um, Itoji, Jamie George, Vunipola, uh, Owen Farrell, with that Saracens defensive, or potentially with that Saracens defensive mentality, whether they can stifle New Zealand and prevent them from exploiting that win. Tell you what, I would give a lot of money to watch Saracens, taking it seriously, play the Hurricanes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love, oh, I'd so love to, to watch that. That'd be I, so good. And I hope Saracens smother them with the most boring display of pragmatic <laughs> kicking, 16 phases of defence, not touching the rock. I just hope all that happens. <laughs> but I'll go back to it, and this is, what, this is why I'm hopeful for England uh, over the next few years, is I, I think what New Zealand have, they have amazing players, but what, what's, what's the most amazing thing about their players? Is a lack of fun. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the poor haircuts as well, and and in addition to in addition to all that, uh, incredible rugby brains. They're just so smart, and I think England's young players coming through are being coached in that fashion. Like with real, look look at Itoji for one, just a real smart smart yeah. player. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I don't think we're quite there yet, but no, but I'm, I'm hopeful. I'll tell you a New Zealand player who isn't very smart, but he's very lucky. Ooh, lucky. You, men- you mentioned it before, Tim. A New Zealand player is not lucky. Owen Frinks? Yes. Right, okay. I was, I was getting, right, yeah, let's get on to this then, because uh, this was basically, uh, this was one of Michael Checker's, another one of his clutching at straws, so some people thought, and the World Rugby Sighting Committee just went, nah, nothing to see here, off you go, you're just, you're just whinging about nothing, no gouging there. However, have you seen the new... Angle. Angle. I've, I've seen a few angles, and... Given what I've also seen, if you if you saw the um, Chris Ashton on Luke Marshall last year, this is commensurate with that, and right. therefore deserves a ten week ban. Okay, I when I first saw it, I thought no play on. When the science committee came back, and said no, nothing there. I thought yeah, good. I'm starting to think maybe it's not good because it, you are right. It needs to be consistent. Yeah, you know, Luke Marshall. I mean, I don't think. I mean, you could go the other way, couldn't you, and say, actually, Ashton shouldn't have been banned. Or you could say 10 weeks is perhaps disproportionate. Yes. But I think I think you've got to be so careful around the eye area. Well, I also don't like the idea that, A, it's dangerous. I don't think what he did was dangerous. I, I hate people calling things dangerous when they're not dangerous because it lowers the threshold of danger. I also quite like how they've... It's not gouging, is it? It's contact with the eyes. Yes. Right. Let's stick to that definition because I really hate it when there is contact with the eyes, but people imply gouging. If you are found to be gouging, you get banned for life. There isn't. Uh, uh, yeah, it could be a 50, 50 plus week ban. It yeah. should be very, very long. But I, but contact with the eyes, I can see a reason why you'd have a a, a ban, a definite ban, but um, a proportionate ban. I would yeah, say. I don't want a ten-week ban for that. I mean, no, no. But it, it was cl- it was clumsy. You're not sure how much he was. Cause he was sort of seemed to be sort of feeling his way around with the fingers a bit. But yeah, no. Was, I, I don't. I don't feel comfortable with a ten-week ban. But I think that uh, it, there's this, there is something to answer for, and it shouldn't have just been palmed off as nothing. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting, Tim. You made the the point about world rugby. World rugby have actually come out and defended their position because they say they they cannot 
intervene because it's a Sanzar Sanzar run competition, so World Rugby have no jurisdiction on this. I'm sure they do. I mean, well, they didn't officially have any jurisdiction uh, in the Six Nations, but they still intervened with the they did the, the Marla Gypsy Boy uh, issue. This is so it's oh. again inconsistency. Isn't it just indicative of what an awful world that we've built? Right, <laughs> that you can be dragged before a panel and banned and be shamed for saying things. Whereas Contact with the Eyes, which is more serious, by the way, Contact with the Eyes is more serious, even though I do not think it's serious, um, requires no punishment whatsoever. The act of potential physical harm results in nothing. Brilliant. Well, yeah. well done, guys. Be proud of yourself. Yes. So it's... I don't, oh, know, but... I, don't, I don't like getting into all the bloody intricacies of this law, that governing body says this and that. I know you're right, consistency and everything. I, I just... Yeah. Oh... I know it. It is, yeah. but it's. I mean, you had two games on Saturday that were refereed completely inconsistently with one another. I mean, in the uh, Argentinian South Africa game, Mahodji, uh, the number seven blindside flanker for South Africa, put in three, four, five high shots that went unpunished, and the one that ultimately sent um, Hernandez off was probably the only one that was actually legal. It was very clumsy, but it was a clash of heads. But there was multiple other high shots, two of which were also on Hernandez. Um, and it, it just wasn't policed properly. Yeah. Uh, did you watch that game? I did. Did you watch it live? I did. I watched it all live, yeah. Uh, I've watched that game, and I can't remember a single minute of it. Oh, do you not remember the first try? I can't remember oh, it being what good. A try. The Argentinian two colour. Oh, what a try! I remember it being good, but I can't remember how it was scored or anything. I don't that, know what was wrong with me. That could be concussion. Could be, maybe it was concussion. That could be that could be try of the season, or certainly try of the rugby championship. It was brilliant. Wow! And then, and then the Francois Low uh, Francois door offload. Yeah. Oh, oh, I remember that one. Francois Low thinking he's Rangi Chase, proving he's a Rangi Chase. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he's, he's not as much of a liability as Rangi Chase off the field. Oh, we forgot to mention, pre- uh, by the way, previously, we had some people suggesting the name because we got the Bledisloe Cup between Australia and New Zealand and we said there should be a name for for South Africa v Argentina and it should be meat-related, uh, yeah. beef-related and high stakes, spelt steak, S-T-E-A-K-S. What's the high, the high stakes cup was, uh, was, I thought was the best suggestion and I, also I worked like because... Well. It also works because the games are often played at altitude in South Africa. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Do you remember that? Oh, I can't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> I will get back to you on the name of the person who tweeted at Rugby Podcast with that. Well, Salter, where they were playing, um, is 3,700 feet above sea level. Where there they were go. playing in Argentina. So, uh, yeah, high stakes it is. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Argentina are definitely the old France. Yeah, oh, I love them. I love them. I, I love. I love the. I'm looking at their team, and they're they don't make sense in a lot of ways. Like Tuchelet, I, I was I worked at Sale, and he was just like a backup fullback for them. Matera, <laughs> backup for the Tigers. They now look awesome. Issa, what a tw- what a oh. number eight. That what a guy. That yeah, kid but the thing is, twenty two years of age. They haven't class. looked awesome in Super Rugby. I mean, they've pulled it together. I wonder if South Africa are just not very good. Well, it'll be interesting to see when they do play Australia and New Zealand. Oh, I um, hope South Africa are good. I, I hope that that Argentina are genuinely good enough to beat a damn good South Africa team and South Africa go and smash Australia. Uh, New Zealand, actually. I was well, well, that would, no, that that would man, open... The South Africa I worry about, Faf was all over the shop. Dialande is a total one-trick pony and centres can't get away with being that anymore. Uh, I think they are average. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? There's no... Apparently, reading on Twitter today... Uh, Johan Janzi von Rensburg yes. will not be involved with the uh, with the next game. He's been released to play Curry Cup or something. Really? Yeah, joke. Absolute uh, joke. That's a shame. Best centre in the world. There you are, said it. He's not far off. Yeah, but not good enough for South Africa. I wonder if it's a quota thing. Uh, I wouldn't like to say. No. So, yeah, at this point, I, I hope that um, South Africa can be good. I really do. It's interesting that in the the Argentina Argentina game, they only narrowly won in the last minute, but they felt like the better team for most of the contest. Mm. Um, and they probably had at least three players who 
would have been close to being man of the match. I mean, Issa that you just mentioned, Tim, was absolutely sensational. Is that spelled spell Issa? I S A. Yes. Yeah. Well, well in, maybe oh, he could be the first name on a team sheet of a, a kind of a financial advisors. 15. Yeah. <laughs> Fal- financial instruments, fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's have a think about that for for another time, perhaps. Um, but the 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 two scrum halves who both played Landajo and uh, Kubeli. Right. Which one's Grumbies? Kubeli. Kubeli, who came. And Landarko is Landajo. Yeah. Well. So they didn't pick any of the European-based players. So, um, oh, okay, they just picked the Argentinian playboys by choice. So this was pretty much the Haguares plus Kubeli who came in from the Brumbies. Yeah, a but bit they... like the logic there. We're not going to pick any of the the European guys. Uh, the Australian guy can play. <laughs> That's no problem. Yeah, it, it was apparently. Um, a decision by right. the Argentinian staff. I'm going to say something which is a little bit, uh, not close to the edge, but I, I think it need, needs addressing. Cabelli played on the weekend, and he's got a shaved head. Rightly so. Because, because he plays on the same team as uh, Leo Leofano, right? Yeah. It's a nice gesture. We can all agree on that. It is. Yeah, and the, like, uh, didn't Pocock and a few of the Aussies do it? Pocock, Gen- Tamua, Genya. Nice gesture, yeah. nice gesture, nice gesture. Do you know what isn't a nice gesture? Um, are you going to say the Leicester Tigers? Yeah, it's a little bit disingenuous, isn't it, to say uh, Richard Cockrell, 15 years ago, went bald uh, for <laughs> Matsumura. And then it goes in the picture. And Dan Cole. Dan Cole is another one. I think in Wasps, they've, they've done it. I think um, Jane... Jimmy Gopperth, um, uh, Curtly Beale, and a bunch of the other Wasp players. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Simpson is in the picture. Simpson, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> like, no, you, like, you don't count. You don't count. Shave something else. Yeah, quite. It is it's, it's bordering on offensive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Here's a pic- I've got the Leicester Tigers picture here. Read out the names. Uh, so, Lockhill McCaffrey, bald. Dan, yep. Dan Coles, bald. Yep. Mike Williams hasn't shaved his head. JP... <laughs> <laughs> J.P. Peterson, bald. Richard Cockrell, bald. Uh, Ellis Genge is in there who has shaved his head. And I'm not sure who that big lad on the right is. It simply doesn't count. <laughs> it is, can't do other, it. other than shaving his head, got any other Ellis Genge stories, anyone? <laughs> None that I want to mention. Yeah, it's like saying that... It's like saying that men that go in freezing cold plunge pools prior to, uh, the, to, to the ice bucket challenge were doing it for L- whatever it was. LSS or whatever it was it's ludicrous it shouldn't be allowed in fact we should airbrush them out of these pictures it is the the one that got me was the Leicester Tigers picture uh, with like you said Mike Williams he's just got the same haircut (laughs) with hair on his head that he always has Yeah, yeah. That's anyway, not, Leicester not Tigers. Uh, just what well, we, we might as well touch on this one. You just mentioned Leicester, uh, Richard Cockrell, as well as, and, and obviously we send our best to Christian Leofano, hundred percent, absolutely, closer, all the rest of it, obviously. Uh, but Richard Cockrell, as well as supporting that, has been disciplining a number of his squad for their part in that recent fracas that happened during a late night visit to McDonald's. Apparently not, not been disciplining them. Um, well. You said squad members. Apparently, it's only one member. Oh, really? Anyone, anyone in particular you'd like to name? Um, is I, well, I don't have the name. I, I wasn't given it. No, I, I've not been. But given I it. have spoke to a member of their squad who's told me it was nothing more than a biscuit. Uh, yeah, it, I heard it was a cookie. It was a cookie, uh, McDonald's yeah. cookie. They took a cookie, a cookie without paying. That was it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Well, it does make sense, doesn't it? Because it didn't escalate. You'd have thought, like, if. 15 Leicester Tigers players went behind a McDonald's counter and started ha- helping themselves to Big Macs. We'd, you'd hear more about it. It'd be very serious. But the, the military police were called. Well, what, who would you call? I'd call the UN. <laughs> <laughs> Leicester, the Leicester Tigers are stealing my food. Yeah, good luck with that, mate. Phone the different police department. <laughs> it, did, it, did, it did make me think that we, we could have a potential fast food 15 for a future podcast uh, with uh, Matt Dunning, Schalk Burger, Eric oh. Fry. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Just a couple that I thought of. I thought of that just literally before the podcast. So um, I uh, see how your mind works, podcast. Tim. Sorry? I see how your mind works. Yeah. At Rugby Podcast, uh, Fast Food 15. And, and let's see if it goes anywhere. Maybe we can do it next week, if mm. there's enough. Indeed. Uh, yeah, so that was the last thing. I don't think we're going to hear much more about this again. Nah. No. What's more fun? To um, 
to occur in a fast food re- uh, restaurant? Conf- confronting Stan Collymore or stealing stealing a cookie? What's your f- <laughs> or getting pinned by two bouncers outside a Cardiff McDonald's? Yes, Mike Phillips. Yeah. That old chestnut. Why don't we? I, why... I like stories like this. I want to hear about. I mean, obviously, you don't condone stealing or anything, but I want to hear well, these the real stories about these players. I want to hear it. I want to hear Danny Cipriani getting knocked over by a bus uh, and, be, and being well, I'm gonna, safe. I'm going to release like, a series of Egg Chasers books. And I think the first one is going to be based on incidents inside fast food restaurants and, and rookie yeah. players. I mean, it's a very narrow topic. Pretty narrow. But we could do it. Didn't, hey, listen, didn't there'll of... be a section in the library for that. Didn't a load of the uh, Claremont players get stabbed in a kebab house last season? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was in a kebab house. Was it not that in a rings ke- a bell, though. But they did get stabbed. There's no ways about that. Uh, I can name them if you want. It's second row. It, uh, t- um, what's a massive centre? Rougerie. Rougerie. Aurelion. He was involved. Uh, there, yeah, there was a couple of them. Kebab knife? Uh, maybe it was a kebab knife. Yeah, you don't know. Uh, yeah, that was actually... I think that actually was quite serious at the time. Yeah. Uh... Attack with machetes, knives, and swords. Oh, good lord! How do they survive? Deep cuts. Oof. Yeah. Was that our boy Louis Pickleball in that? I forget what team it was. What team was that? Uh, That's Claremont. Claremont. He was at Rougerie, Benjamin Kaiser, and Julien yeah. Pierre. Oh, that sounds yeah. horrible. Actually. Three pretty big boys to to be taking big on. Big boys. Yeah, but not with swords. Oh. Yeah, I mean, if you've, you've got a sword, <laughs> if you're tooled up. Yeah, well, maybe they take McDonald's safety a little bit more uh, seriously <laughs> over in France. <laughs> Evidently so. Um, listen, just just uh, in relation, just I thought I'd throw this one in as well. I, I've I've done my one to twelve Premiership finishing positions. Okay, ah, okay. Uh, which I, I know you were talking about the Premiership in yesterday's pod. And yes, we were. So I've gone for, and I'll just run down them. Mine differs from yours slightly. Uh, JB, the one that I saw you tweeting today. Um, so we agree on one Saracens, but then it gets different. Two Wasps, three Northampton, four Leicester, five Exeter, six Bath, seven Quins, eight Sale, eight. nine Gloucester, nine Gloucester, ten Worcester, eleven Newcastle, and Bristol for the drop. Ooh, mm. I'm similar to you, Tim. Uh, I would I would put Wasps just outside the top four, though. I don't know about Sale. I think Sale are going to surprise everyone this year. Well, but, no, not me, obviously. But, well, uh, the first uh, draft of your prediction I saw, you had them at seventh. So eighth is hardly ludicrous. Yeah, I think I'll be higher than that. I, the problem is, I can't justify dropping Wasps to... Although I think it will the top four. Yeah, I think they won't make top four. But I just can't... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary quite do it i considered putting exeter lower i i think really uh yeah i've i've i just have this feeling that the, the premiership final is going to be a little high watermark for a few years for exeter mm. interesting see i i have it the other way i think they can build on that they've got a talented squad some great young guys coming through um and guys who are getting more experience of england as well um, yeah guys like like Noel, like Slade, like uh, Mullet Hyphen Dicky. Like, yeah, it's like I said yesterday, they're just a better version of last year's team. And next year will be a better version of this year's team. But it's just it's... unbelievable how how relentless this season is going to be again. Mm. Uh, I'm not even sure if you had an All Stars team from the remaining 11 teams whether you could beat Saracens. Yeah, I'm still not sure. 
Oh, is there a way we could do a, a team where you have to pick someone from every team? To beat Saracens? Yeah. Oh, well, well, uh, well, not even to beat Saracens. I was just thinking a team of it, if you had to pick one person from every team, but then you've got three spots left over. God, I'm just I'm brainstorming live. I should do this <laughs> off the pod. Wow. And bring some fully formed ideas to, see how, to the table. <laughs> see, how, see how the sausage is made, eh? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So, no, I think you've got Sale too low. And who knows? Wasps too high. Who knows about wasps? Hey, yeah. they, they might prove me wrong. They, they might win it. As, as we said on the pod yesterday, I think wasps and bath, both of them are a little bit unknown just because the sheer number of changes, uh, coaching and and personnel. And did you see? Did you see Bath's preseason Leinster result? We did. Yes, we discussed it briefly yesterday. Great result mm. away as well. Mm. But uh, you never know how much to read yeah. into those games, but. Yeah, if if they can take that form in, they can do anything. Uh, who's the first game going to film? Uh, let me have a quick look. Oh yeah, and by the way, we do know it's a L- L- London doubleheader. Apologies for that. <laughs> oh yeah. yes, referring to Saracens and Quinns as bit playing at home. Yeah. Yes. Whoops. Te- technically, they're the home side, but yeah. That's yeah. Uh, run- I'll be there. I'll be. I'll be there. I'm. I'm. Um, keep an eye out. Oh. Me and Ugo will be uh, wow. on, on the pitch, marauding around. I'll, I'll be taking care of the Worcester side of business and Ugo will be with Saracens. Say hi to Ugo for me. Yeah, and me. Oh, I'll do that. Um, hi, Ugo, if you're listening. Bath Bath travelled to Northampton in their first game, so not an easy Ooh. start for, not an easy start for Bath. Talupe v. Louis. Yes. Ah, yes, Ooh. now we remember. Yes. Yeah, we were a little bit worse for wear yesterday, weren't we, Jay? Yeah, I've got a very shaky memory of the whole weekend. (laughs) The fact I can't remember a whole game. I I wasn't even drunk, I just couldn't remember the whole game. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you, you, so I had had a a bit of a a knees up over the weekend, last night on my holiday, and I was chatting to this fella, uh, he was a Montenegrin guy, and... And he, uh, it's a really misogynistic, like male-dominated kind of place. Like, okay, just, I'm in. <laughs> men sit around, do what the hell they want, and just a lazy. They kind of the, this Montenegrin man said, "Montenegrin men are lazy." Anyway, so there's this joke, which is a, a really famous Hang joke on. in Montenegro. Did you say it's a really misogynistic place? Montenegrin men are lazy. That well, sounds like Misandra. Go on. Yeah, this guy said we're we're really lazy, us Montenegrin men. We we, we rule the roost. Anyway, he said the the famous Montenegrin joke that, that they have is, uh, and the, the joke goes like this. I thought you'd appreciate it. Um, I thought of you particularly, JB, when I heard it. I thought you'd like it. Anyway, he said that uh, there's a there's a man riding on the back of a donkey, and his wife is walking in front of him as he sits on this donkey, uh, when this other stranger comes up and says to the man on the, on the back of the donkey, um, wh- where are you going? And he says, we're going to the hospital. And the man says to the guy on the donkey, oh, what's wrong with you? He says, no, it's not me, it's the missus. <laughs> what? Ooh. <laughs> you know, oh, man. I, get, I like it, Tim. I'm with you. I cracked up. It must be the way I told it. I cracked up when he told me. I thought you, it was really you, funny. How many pints deep were you at the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd had a few. I'd had a few lozers, they call it. That's like their Uzo. Anyway. Oh, nice. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> I must Mate, just be terrible. Okay, no, 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 no. Here's how, here's how this is going to go down, right? You've got to tell that on Virgin tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but right. you got to tell it with a straight face, and if you, as if you find it funny. The, the, I do find it. No, funny. no, no. But there's no preamble about like being, being misogynistic. You've just got to do it. <laughs> oh, no explanation. No, don't I don't apologise. Don't explain. Just go for it. <laughs> and say tweet me at Cocker. Uh, now for polar bear knife fight. Yep. Yeah, sure. Sure. Anyway, rugby. Sorry. Rugby. Uh, yeah. Where are we up to? Um, on, Phil. Do you want to briefly touch on the uh, Killian Willis concuss- yes. concussion story? Yes. I, so I heard all this a few weeks ago because I was chatting to a ex-player and I was also chatting to a guy who works in the legal profession around Manchester, kind of the same way that I do. 
And as I understand it, this is very serious, very serious indeed. In fact, I'm thinking of getting, thinking of doing some audio in the next few weeks with a clinical negligence solicitor uh, just to explain exactly what this is for, for Rugby Dungeon. Okay. Now, the reason it's serious is it's not, I don't think it's a case against Sale. It is a case against Steve Diamond himself. Now that... So brief, brief, very, very briefly, just explain the story for anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, so uh, player Killian, Killian Williams. Willis. Willis, Willis sorry. Scrum was, Yeah. yeah. Uh, was, what, before uh, he retired. That's the one. Uh, was playing a game for sale. I don't even remember the guy, do you? Yeah, I remember him. He was, a ch- he was kind of a backup. Second, third, third choice scrum half. Yeah, um, for a couple of years, came over from Ireland. Yeah, Leinster. He played at I think Leinster, Ulster, and Connacht. But again, yeah. never. He was always kind of a squad player. Yeah, so he's playing. He gets concussed. The medical staff say he's got to come off. And well, well no. So he took a head head knock. In, he was playing against Saracens. He took a head knock in the first half, uh-huh. and the medical staff didn't take him on. He then, in the second half, took another head knock. And the medical staff still didn't take him off. And then he eventually did get taken off partway through the second half. But after playing, having suffered two blows to the head. So my understanding of this is the medical staff recommended he come off and they were overruled. And it's by Steve Diamond. By somebody most likely being Steve Diamond. So I Yeah, let's be very, very careful. We don't want to be... uh, um prejudicing a, a live case so well yes. I, don't, I don't know uh, what's what so you know that's that's how i understand it now the interesting thing as well as they said it's clinical negligence clinical negligence is the way it's been quoted but i don't think that's i don't and now i need to clarify this but i don't think that's correct because clinical negligence would be against a clinician and well you call i couldn't be i don't think you could be clinical clinically negligent well steve diamond i don't think could be clinically ne- yeah. negligent negligent sure because so the test for clinical negligence is the Bolam test, which mm-hmm. is the same for professional negligence. So it applies to to me as a professional in the construction industry. I'm sure it applies to you. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you have to meet the standard of the reasonable um, person. So as long as you can demonstrate that you followed uh, guidelines that would have been upheld by a reasonable person or protocol that would have been held by a reasonable person as a medical professional, yep, then you can't be. Uh, sued for clinical or, me- yeah. or medical negligence. So that's where it kind of it gets a bit confusing for me because they called it clinical negligence, and I understand it to be a case against Steve Diamond rather than the club yeah. and the medical staff. Well, that wouldn't stack up. So that wouldn't stack up. What it could be is Steve Diamond does have a duty of care. Yes, for that player. Um, so if it is in fact that, it, it would go under a slightly different uh, legal precedent, mm. but. Th- it, I would imagine it would be more on the, the medical staff. Yeah. Now, here's the, uh, here's the interesting part about this as well. The reason it's got legs, or, you know, well, yeah, the reason it's got legs is because apparently there's witnesses to it, and the witnesses are another are other players. Right. Hmm. So that's, that's what I understand. I could be completely wrong. Yeah, and again, without without knowing full facts, and again with it being a live case, it's, it's all speculation at the it minute. Is. But I suppose I suppose what we what we can draw from it is that this area of head trauma is going to become even more of an issue, not less, despite the safety precautions that have been brought in. Well, it's it's interesting because this was back in 2013, before oh, okay. before the head injury assessment, the, the very very strict protocol that we have now was put in place so now providing you follow as a medical professional if you follow those guidelines then i don't think there's any possible way that you could be sued for clinical negligence yes unless you falsified results or something like that or just didn't did not follow the guidelines so now i think it should be relatively clear but because this was this was in place and it's because Obviously, head injuries are a little bit subjective, and until you've got these guidelines to follow, it's almost down to the professional and the individual. Well, they'd be using like physios, wouldn't they, to run on and say, "Yeah, yes or no." Or, yes, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what a, a, who a club doctor would be. I think the sale club doctor who I've met, I think he's a GP by background. So yeah. he's got some specialty in head trauma. Well, the, the, the England. Well, this this is like a, this. This sounds like it could be getting into the area. You know how you get uh, some people who've been caught up in historical cases 
yeah. <laughs> like other radio professionals, uh, let's say, for example, say, oh, it was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't proved to be a successful excuse. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, those radio professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we have taken some really bizarre twists and turns on this podcast. I was like, what? Has a radio professional had a high level court case described on his show? What? what, what, what? Oh, no. No, no, no. That's not what they were doing. Yeah, and it wasn't concussion of a, a radio yeah. professional no right so oh uh yeah so that's gonna i wonder how many of these historic cases are going to come forward if yeah. this one's successful it, and what it's going to mean it it really could open well up. just just things like when um i mean I, my brother's retired now so he probably wouldn't mind me talking about it but the number of times he used to say that and he, he willingly did it he, he would take he he would take a, a particularly strong painkiller. I mean, it must have been within legal doses, otherwise they wouldn't have done it. And cortisone injections and things like that, kind of things that could do serious, you could end up doing serious long-term damage. I don't know how whether you or teammates of yours ever kind of did similar things. Well, do you know what? Even at yeah. Broad Park's level, there is a lot of taking pills before a game. Now, I've never seen why anyone would take paracetamol or ibuprofen before a game. I, I don't think it makes any difference. If but, if you're really struggling with a shoulder or ankle or something, really, yeah. I t- I t- I've, when I've I did had... when I did the marathon, they helped me massively. I, I took them before, during, yeah. um, doing it. So, I, I've I've known lad. I've played with lads who've had painkilling injections directly before a game. No, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's really standard, JB. I think it's really, really but common. I, I know it's very common in the states because there's so many ex-players who are hooked on. You know, codeine-based, um, codeine-based drugs. I've not heard of it so much in the UK, and I'm surprised well, I haven't. Yeah, it does. It does happen. Sorry, codeine-based. Is it? Is it codeine? I know, code, codeine is a opiates. yeah op- opioid. Yeah, painkiller. So mm-mm. no, I've, I've I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah, it does happen, definitely. And if and if uh, pressure is put on by coaches to encourage someone to do that and go through that pain barrier and they end up maybe not even from a playing point of view, but you know, you have, you have ex pros who have real can't sleep well because they have shoulder pain or yeah. Yeah. Joint. It's, um, yeah. I wonder, I wonder. Yeah. That that is, that is rather interesting, Tim. Hmm. Uh, other rather interesting stuff. Do you know, Ollie Lindsay Hager's left, uh, Harlequins. Yep, Olympic silver medalist Oliver Lindsay Haig. Seems like a weird time to leave, doesn't it? It does a bit. Um, it probably reflects he wants to be higher up the pecking order. So he's obviously, I'd probably say he's fifth choice back three player. Behind? Brown, Visser, Yard and Charlie Walker played ahead of him last last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, and I think with seven stuff as well, because you're out of the team for so long. I mean, Ollie Lindsay Hague's a good player. He's, very, well, he's obviously very fast. He plays sevens. Yeah. But when I see him, he is quite exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see exactly what he does, whether he goes... Well, if I was him, I'd do what Carl Ferns did and go to one of the top teams in Pro Division 2 in France. Why? Looking for big payday. Yeah. Um, good lifestyle. Okay. And... You've got the potential to go back into the top 14. Well, do you know what I think of Ollie Lindsay Haig? I think he is the stereotypical player that you get from Harlequins. Lots lots of gas, lots of skill, lots of speed, not very much substance. And I wonder how well that sort of player would actually do in in France, where well, you need the opposite, have loads you, of substance. Have you seen the Geoaplon try from this weekend? No. That's a good demonstration of... Uh, Gas pace, perhaps not the uh, the biggest bloke. You know, yep. he's tiny, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and Unguenya had his moments for uh, Biritz. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he does surface because he is a talented player. If he gets the right amount of game time, you mentioned the Olympics. Did you see that Ben Ryan got the the highest order uh, that you can get? As if uh, in Fiji, and he's got some land, yeah, yeah, and three acres of land. Basically, he's treated like pretty much he's royalty. Yeah, pretty much. Iron Lion Ryan. 
yeah, I want, I want. What can you do with that land? Is it grazing land? Is it? I mean, I guess it's not. You know, development land. Definitely, I think with for him, it would be he'd, he'd get some shade up straight away so he could sit under that. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't deal well with the sunshine for sure. But he's, he says he's uh, Ben Ryan said he's had twenty job offers. Wow! Already. From where? I mean, there's not oh, even tw- twenty teams that play that play sevens, is there? Are they all Are they all job offers from like? I was coached by him in fifteens. Were, were you? Yeah, when he was at Newbury. <laughs> Why don't you ever mention it? I'll, I'll make sure I do more, JB. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, right, okay, yeah. 20 job offers. Uh, I just wonder, are they real? Uh, uh, no, not are they real job offers. Are they job offers as we expect them, like, to coach Harlequins or whatever it is? Or is it like Butcher in Fiji? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 20 Fiji-based jobs. That's what I imagine that he's being offered. Yeah. I reckon there'll be international rugby teams that probably have said, come and coach us. Because not, not as the head coach, but as a skills coach or a backs coach. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Well, I think the other thing he's proved, he's a man of commitment. He moved out to Fiji, which I didn't appreciate. And not very many of these coaches, international coaches, move out. The uh, coach of Georgia is the first, well, for the World Cup, was the first ever Georgia coach to, to move to Georgia to coach them. Really? Yeah, they all, they all do it, like, remotely. Even Warren Gatland, uh, who spent six months of the year in, in Wales. Wales. The rest of it, he's back in New Zealand somewhere. Yeah. Breaking both his feet. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see where Ben Ryan does go. Because he could go to a premiership team as the, the backs coach or skills coach. Or, oh, he, or even higher, even an international team, like a... Tier two international team, hmm. I mean, yeah, I'd definitely. Tier want to two international off. sounds right to me. Yeah, it does. But there again, he's got such a background in sevens now. I can't help but think it's think think it's going to be sevens. But where, where else do you go? He's had the England job. He's had arguably the two best jobs. Did I he mean, win the World Series with England? He might. Mm, I don't know. Maybe he definitely. Maybe. He definitely won some big, high-profile tournaments. Hong Kong sevens a couple of times. Um. And he's won the Olympic gold. I mean, yeah, I think it's stepping back up to 15s for him now. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's done everything there is to do in sevens. Yeah. Uh, do you know else, Do you know who else has been um, offered a new job and accepted? Uh, not you. Not me. Stuart not... Hooper. Oh, Stuart oh. Hooper. I think as I think maybe as I told you about uh, about nine months ago. Would Didn't you tell us he's going to be director of rugby? And he's actually, well, I wasn't, wasn't far off. And he's I? actually being groomed whilst grooming kids to he's, be. Yeah, he's director of the kids rugby. Yeah, director of kids rugby. Is that what you meant when you said director of rugby? <laughs> well, it, it was a pretty outlandish thing to have said even before he announced he was retiring. Let's not well, forget. Yeah, it's massively outlandish. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you, I was... but no, I, we take your point. It is he is clearly um, earmarked for something, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Even if it's just, I mean, even if it's just a senior role within Bath at director yeah. level, he's clearly going places. Yeah, and I think he could have got a job elsewhere, but he loves that blazer and mustard chinos. Absolutely. He wasn't going anywhere. Uh, apparently, he's one of Stuart, Stuart Lancaster's favourite players. That isn't a joke. He really is from from the Leeds days. Ah, oh, Leeds, of course. Yeah, that's where he did all. He was his, his captain, wasn't he? He was, he was right. Leeds' youngest ever captain. That was before Lancaster, though, wasn't it? No, uh, no, no. That was during Lancaster reign. Oh, was it really? Yeah, because I'm sure when they went down, that, that's when Bath signed him. And, you know, Lancaster took him down. He took him up, but then he took him down after winning only two games. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know me, I don't like to talk too much about Stuart Lancaster, <laughs> so we'll leave it there. For the, for the record, Ben Ryan uh, never won the World Series with England. He finished third three times. Um, and before he came in, Fiji had only won one out of 15 tournaments Wow. One out of fifty World Series, the the annual event, mm-hmm. and they've won the last two, followed by obviously the Olympics. Well, That's sometimes it. it's just combinations, combinations as well. Hell, hell of a record. So yeah, good for him. What else? What else have you got on your agenda, Phil? Um, not a huge amount. It was a very, very brief agenda that I, that I uh, wrote. Well, I will say, have you seen the Richie McCaw statue? I've not seen the statue. I've read, I read a great interview with him in the Guardian. Uh, last week, genuinely Talk- a really good one. Yeah, it was. It was. It was ge- 
genuinely one, very good. One guy that I worked, uh, I, I've worked with in the past, um, is a mate of mine. Uh, he is, he was the boss of Richie McCaw's girlfriend because he used to date this uh, radio breakfast show host in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Who said that she said she had to break up with him because he was the dullest man <laughs> on earth. <laughs> he obviously looked great. He was a good-looking chap and all the rest of it, but he was painfully dull. But I suppose maybe you don't get that incredibly good unless you're that focused. If you want to be the best, yeah, you've got to make some sacrifices. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. He would, so he would never have a beer. He was up, he up and he did uh, 20 miles on a bike on Christmas Day morning before That's... breakfast. Sounds like, like that. tremendous fun. Sounds like you, yeah. JB. It does sound like me. It sounds very similar. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the statue uh, that's been put up, uh, I'll just say it's, it's not is an it, exact likeness. Is it that's him? All che- I'll say. What is it? Him cheating at a rock? Uh, it's him <laughs> going in from the side. <laughs> Textbook and, and just, just, yeah, exactly. Go, going in from the side, but the, the ref's still giving him the penalty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obstruction, what's it? Richie McCall. <laughs> if, you, if you can Google it, just have a look at the picture. It looks. It looks more like Ross Abbott. In, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Timely reminder, Ross Abbott. Uh, <laughs> so, so the artist describes it as not an exact likeness. The artist? <laughs> 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 <No>. <laughs> wow. It's definitely not an exact likeness, I can confirm. Oh, no. Oh, wait, there's a vote. I'm on uh, stuff.co.nz. Does this statue look like Richie McCall? Let me vote. I'm going to say no. <laughs> Does this statue look like Richie McCall? 4% yes, 96% no. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's when you know you're not successful at carving or whatever that is, sculpting. Yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, I've, look, I've said it a million times before, but this is what they've done wrong with Kvezic. So the wasted Kvezic's talent, I don't think he's any less... less Less player than, say, whoever else England are going to play at seven. But if they'd worked with him, and if they'd got him the reputation, if we'd had a big media conspiracy, you'd say, Matt Kvezic knows the breakdown better than anyone. Yeah. And we wrote positive things uh, yeah. about him in the media and spoke about him in the media. He would be the next Richie McCaw. It's proper propaganda. We yeah. need RFU propaganda yeah, exactly. promoted. Because uh, that, that's all that Richie McCaw did, right? And that's basically what's happened to Mario Todji. Yeah. As soon as you start the propaganda ball rolling, then everyone gets on board with it. And now he can't do... He, he literally can't do anything wrong. Yeah. He, he, he cheats all the time at the Rooks and he gets all the decisions. No, no, his hands are on it. Well, his hands are on it first. It's Mario Soji. Mario Soji yeah. knows exactly what he's doing. Exactly. Says so in the Telegraph. <laughs> so that's... that's I'm, 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 I've just gone to the same website you're on, by the way, with the Richie McCall statue. And uh, on the comments below... I think some people have pointed out, uh, they just said, I didn't know Donald Trump played rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and that he looks like... Uh, Ross Abbott. But- butthead. Beavis. <laughs> butthead Beavis. from Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I love the fact that you said Ross Abbott. I, used to watch- I, know, I don't know where that came from. I used to watch Ross Abbott as a kid. You used to find him hilarious. Yeah, the- almost as funny as that uh, joke I told earlier. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the Rich McCaw interview in The Guardian was... Uh, in anticipation of the upcoming film, the what? Ch- Chasing Great. That's what? it. The Richard McCaw story. Oh, no. Really? Yeah, which documents his last couple of years as a player. Wow. So it's exclusive access. Um, it'd be interesting oh, to see it's what a it's... documentary? Yeah, it's a documentary. Right, it's not going to be no. um, made by Peter Jackson or anything? No, it's not like uh, <laughs> Invictus with Matt Damon playing Richie McCaw. <laughs> I think Matt Damon would make a good Richie McCaw. Uh, hmm. His accents have left a lot of be, yeah. lot to be desired, and we've already established how difficult. The best Richie get, McCall, just because I want to see him running. Uh, Steven Seagal <laughs> <laughs> running, running, running to breakdowns. Also, um, Tom Cruise has a funny, funny running style. He does have a funny running style. And also, that, no, that's why I want to see Tom Cruise because when they film it, he's such a small man, they'd have to get other people who look proportionately big. Yeah, actually, yeah. very small. Well, like the so, if you, if anyone's watched the Jack Reacher film, I've I've read most of the Jack Reacher books. Jack Reacher is six foot five and two hundred and fifty pounds, like seventeen, eighteen stone. Yeah, same same dimensions Hustle. as me. Uh, so they film they film the Jack Reacher film with Tom Cruise, 
He walks through a bar and he's the tallest man in that bar. <laughs> I want I want to go to that bar. Yeah, to... <laughs> but more importantly, how much are they spending on set creation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, lower that bar by how much? Five inches. <laughs> I'm, I make I make that glass eight percent smaller. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, maybe Tom Cruise then. I think Matt Damon. I think Matt Damon just looks more like a rugby player. And also, Matt Damon's got fine ro- rugby pedigree. He plays rugby in The Departed. The Departed, yeah, for the uh, uh, oh, yeah. Boston Police Force. Yeah. And he's... Play- yeah, so... Yeah, done. <laughs> okay. Done. Uh, talking of done, is, is this done yet? Shall we go home? I think that's probably a good idea. Tim, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, let me just have a little look. Um, no, I'll, 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 I won't bother with that... Uh joke uh, or, or that joke um uh oh just finally then because this has become a, oh a sorry point. no i've got something which i want to mention go on uh well we've got to mention them right uh like we should have mentioned about five minutes ago but our new sponsor beer beer 52 oh yes now are you familiar with beer 50 52 tim oh, beer beer 52 i'm very very aware of beer 52 jb yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because like we've got a sponsor for well, we've got a sponsor who's looked after us for all this time in Cornerstone, which is you know for people that don't have beards. Well, this is a sponsor for exactly the opposite sort of person <laughs> who do have beards. In fact, if you're a trendy hipster, Beer Fifty Two is exactly what exactly what you need. But here's a nice thing, Tim. It's not just for hipsters, like I originally thought. Uh, what you do is they select all the beers from from around the, from around the world. They they will send you a box, and in that box you will pick what you do, what you like, what you don't like. And as the new boxes arrive each and every month, your beer order fits your taste. So you don't have to be some neck beardy hipster with a beret on. <laughs> yeah, this is what I like about it, you know, because I, I like craft beers and, and trying beers and stuff, but um, I. Yeah, I don't want to go and have to pick them all and, and swat up on it. I'd, so, yeah, just the thought of being sent. There you go. While you're having that barbecue or w- when you're sitting down this Sunday to watch uh, a rugby match, there mm-hmm. you go. There, there's a beer, cold one straight out the fridge from somewhere in the world that you would never have drunk if you hadn't tried Beer 52. Bosh. Exactly. Now, now, Tim, um, I speculated yesterday that you would have a lot of fun if I told you that uh, Phil's favourite beer, or one of his favourite is a beer called Salty Kiss. So I, I just want to know what what your view on Phil drinking Salty Kisses. <laughs> uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, but, but yes, uh, oh, that, that is, um, that's made me very happy and I've already got some Photoshop uh, thoughts of what I can do with that. <laughs> Oh dearie me! It's, it sounds like uh, sounds like it should be a punishment or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's delicious, all right, Tim. Something Christian Grey would have uh, instigated. Exactly right, mate. Exactly right. M- mine, I have to say, I, I love, uh, and I've completely forgotten the name of it now. But there's um, oh Cooper's Aussie beer is okay, very nice. very good. Yeah, oh, particularly particularly the and and the white label. What's that Icelandic beer? No idea, mate. I just make up names. Molestic. Yeah. Einstock. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I when I first got hold of this sponsor, I thought this is going to be great. I'm just going to make up names like molesting bishop or raving dog, <laughs> and see where we go from there. But uh, since oh, and by the way, I've had your beers too. Uh, but all you need to do is go to beer52.com, and if you use the code rugby10, you get ten pound off when you first sign up. Excellent. Oh, it's a no-brainer then, right? Yeah, exactly right, mate. Exactly right. And I want to see... What was that code again? So you go to what website, JB? Uh, beer52.com. Yeah. And it's rugby10. Rugby10. Exactly right. I think I'm going to send them an email recommending what beers JB would have to to watch the rugby. So you can be just like me when you decide to watch the rugby. <laughs> Which, do you know what? We, we could do a, a perfect... You know how that you have, like, uh, when there's food and then places will... When you have a tasting menu, they'll go, here's this food and here's a wine for you to try with it. We should maybe pick a match each oh, week. that's exceptional. And, pi- and pick a beer that goes with that match. Maybe it's a... This one's a... We need a heavy-bodied one because Louis Pickamol's quads are going to be oh, on show. Oh, that is a very good idea. And we'll have to try his beers first, of course. Well, yeah, of course. Well done, well done, Tim. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I just finally want to say, obviously, as you would to watch the Aviva Premiership, um, 
BT Sport this weekend. I'll I'll be there Twickenham double header. So uh, uh, if you haven't already, get BT Sport because it's it's well good, isn't it? Well, so there good. you go. Yep. It is very good. Yep. Excellent. Right, I think we all finished now. We are done. Just one quick mention. Yep. The Egg Chasers uh, Meters Made League on www.statbacker.com. Go in there. When you sign up, you get 15% off huge rugby, uh, as well as if you deposit £10, you get £5 off, and you get to challenge me and all of our listeners and prove that you know more about rugby than I do. This is the biggest scam ever. It's a biggest <laughs> scam. You've basically got it stitched up. If you, any, if you don't win, I have not got anything. If you don't win, up. it's only because you're setting a trap for later on down down the line. When you <laughs> yeah, do he's bigger. playing the long con. I'm hustling people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I I won't win. I won't win. All right, mate. Sure. <laughs> All right. I think we're done, boys. Nice. Perfect. See you later, Tim. Uh, in fact, we will catch you on. Uh, we'll catch you on Sunday. Uh, yes. And I assume you'll, you'll be live tweeting from the games as well, so you won't be completely uh, out uh, out the loop. Yeah, so on but on Sunday itself, the uh, it should be a good one actually. Uh, Wasps Exeter, I'll be there before oh. shooting back to pod with you. Oh, excellent! The life of others, right? And see you later, Phil. Cheers, JB. Bye bye.